Joshua chapter 7, verses 1 to 26. But just for a little bit of context, we might jump back to chapter 6. And we remember that the Israelites have just captured Jericho. And Joshua warns the Israelites, but keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. So that's what happened last week. This week's chapter is titled, Achan's Sin. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Kami, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, to the east of Bethel, and told them, Go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. When they returned to Joshua, they said, Not all the army will have to go up against Ai. Send two or three thousand men to take it, and do not weary the whole army, for only a few people live there. So about 3,000 went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say? now that Israel has been routed by its enemies. The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this and they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? The Lord said to Joshua, Stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen, they have lied, they have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Go, consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. In the morning, present yourselves tribe by tribe. The tribe that the Lord chooses shall come forward, clan by clan. 
the clan that the Lord chooses shall come forward family by family. And the family that the Lord chooses shall come forward man by man. Whoever is caught with devoted things shall be destroyed by fire, along with all that belongs to him. He has violated the covenant of the Lord and has done an outrageous thing in Israel. Early the next morning, Joshua made Israel come forward by tribes, and Judah was chosen. The clans of Judah came forward, and the Zeharites were chosen. He made the clan of the Zeharites come forward by families, and Zimri was chosen. Joshua made his family come forward man by man, and Achan, son of Kami, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was chosen. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honour him. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Achan replied, It is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messages and they ran to the tent and there it was, hidden in the tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites and spread them out before the Lord. Then Joshua, together with all Israel, took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold bar, his sons and daughters, his cattle, donkeys and sheep, his tent and all that he had to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him. And after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. Over Achan, they heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, that place has been called the Valley of Achor ever since. Well, yes, if you were with us last week, you will have heard about uh, the great victory at Jericho, that unforgettable surprise of the walls of Jericho uh, crashing to the ground, uh, the, uh, that outer strength of Jericho falling away and uh, revealing an inner weakness that the city had, and God's people uh, they didn't have to show great strength themselves, they just had to show obedience to God's unusual plan. So we go from uh, the great high of uh, celebrating a massive victory, um, and uh, the hardest problem is conquered first in Jericho, so everything from here on should be easier. Uh, of course, when you beat the team at the top of the ladder, then every other team should be a, uh, an easy win. So that was chapter six, the big win. What should we expect from chapter seven, 
Well, perhaps we should expect a, you know, sweeping on through and uh, clearing up and taking a few more wins. But you heard the answer there that uh, they go from an epic victory straight into a terrible defeat. Uh, in chapter 7, they fail at I. And uh, if you do keep reading into chapter 8, you hear that they then go on to win at I. Uh, so I call these, these two chapters I, I, and Amen. Uh, it takes them two goes, but they, they get there in the end. But here in chapter 7, God wants us to know why they failed so badly. It's a whole chapter that is very clear. There is, there is no ambiguity it is stated three times. It's narrated, and then God tells Joshua the problem, and then Achan, I just, I've got an Aussie accent on that one, so I just say Achan, um, and then we hear the confession from Achan. So there's no ambiguity about what went wrong. In fact, um, if, you, if you watch any murder mysteries, it's like in the first episode, you kind of find out, oh, someone died and something went wrong, and you might have a few suspects around, and then in the next episode, there'll be some evidence that kind of points to one person, you think, oh yeah, it's definitely going to be them, but then at the end of the episode, there's a new piece of information that it's not them, and your attention gets put to another person, and then you're dragged on through this whole series uh, until finally, at the very end, it's revealed uh, who, who the culprit is. Uh, this is not like that at all. It's like the complete opposite. It tells you up front, in the middle, and at the end, all the way through, it is very clear uh, what the problem is and who the culprit is. It says from the very start there, but the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Kami, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Achan is the culprit, and the problem is the devoted things. There's some objects that are at the heart of this problem. Achan took those things for himself from Jericho that he should never have taken. They were given clear and explicit instructions, do not take these things for yourself, but he went and did it. Um, and so there's no surprise when we're told what happens. Uh, the spies go and have a look at I, uh, and they, they think it looks like a pretty easy win for them, so uh, Joshua gives most of his army a rest. That's a, that's a decent strategy, you know, bench your best players so they don't get injured along the way, and just send in who you need to send in. So 3,000 go in, and that should be plenty to beat the few people of Ai, but they actually lose badly. 36 Israelites die, and they flee. Now, perhaps there's a few problems here. Uh, maybe the spies didn't see some particular strategic advantage that the city of Ai had. Uh, maybe 3,000 just wasn't enough. Maybe they should have sent a few more. Maybe the whole army should have gone. Maybe the problem was that Joshua didn't consult the Lord beforehand. There was, there's no account of him praying and asking the Lord for guidance around this campaign. Uh, maybe they were meant to follow exactly the same strategy as conquering Jericho. Maybe it was a bit of a rinse and repeat should have been implemented there. Um, 
Maybe the problem was that the Ark of the Covenant didn't go. God's, God's presence there didn't go out into battle. Or maybe the problem was Joshua taking things into his own hands. Maybe the problem was self-confidence. They were a little bit overconfident from their win at Jericho. Joshua was now famous throughout the land. He'd had a taste of victory. Maybe he was resting a bit too much on his own strength and ability. We could do a whole lot of post-game analysis and try and think about, well, what went wrong? And that's what Joshua wants to do. He actually wants to put it back on God and say, God, what have you done wrong here? He throws himself face down before the Ark of the Covenant with the elders of Israel to do this post-game analysis. The first thing we see here is that Joshua actually dramatizes the situation. Did you notice that as you were listening? Joshua said, Alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this and they will surround us. They'll wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? He's, he's totally dramatized things here. Joshua thinks everything is ruined. They should never have come in the first, first place. He wants to back out of God's promises. He wants to forget the whole thing and run away. He's not showing the strength and the courage that he was commanded to do from the outset. He's taking one loss and counting it a complete defeat. He is not persevering. Now, how tempting is it for us to do this kind of thing too? We encounter one little problem. Maybe, maybe we have a win. Maybe things are going well. We encounter one little setback, one little problem, and we dramatize the whole thing. Like, oh, we never should have started that. Maybe you had a calling from God. Maybe there was, you've been given a vocation, something to do, a project that, that is ahead of you. And it, maybe it starts out exciting and well, and then the rubber hits the road, there's some difficulty, and oh, I'm done. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. Let's try another project. Do you know the, um, uh, I mean, I do this. I did this when I was studying. I'd, I'd get a good mark on one essay, the next essay would <laughs> be a bad mark, and I'd be like, I'm done, I'm not cut out for study, I shouldn't be doing this. I'd question the whole thing. It's so easy to do to encounter one problem. You know, they call Gen X and uh, millennials snowflakes because <laughs> they melt quick. I think that's a little bit harsh. I'm not sure, I, I, I try not to count myself on the dates and the years where it falls. So I, maybe I'm a snowflake, I don't know. But I think we all have this tendency. We see something hard, we have a little failure and we dramatize the whole thing. We, we want to throw in the towel. Well, there's that saying that when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Uh, Winston Churchill said that success is going from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. Uh, and of course, uh, well, God said to Joshua, I will be with you, so be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. But here Joshua is having a meltdown at God and uh, we heard there that the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. So it's completely flipped. The Canaanites 
melted in fear. And now the Israelites are melting in, in fear. Uh, at the outset of this series, I mentioned uh, Jackie Pullinger's phrase, uh, who said, we need to have soft hearts and hard feet. Uh, we need to have soft hearts that are responsive and alive to God and to others. And we need to have hard feet so that we're able to do the difficult work of love. Uh, but too often, we have hard hearts and soft feet. Well, we see here that there's, uh, there's kind of a, th a third category of things. Uh, this is not having a hard heart, it's not having a soft heart, it's having a completely melted heart that you can't even hold uh, in your hands. It's turned to water. No substance, nothing alive and nothing beating. So maybe you could have a think now. Uh, what are those times in life when you've been perhaps hard-hearted when stubbornness and fixed thinking has dominated, when you haven't listened to God's voice and the voice of others around you. And also have a think, when are those moments that have caused you to melt? When, when are you likely to be a snowflake, uh, to melt? I, I know the, the heaters are quite hot, so um, you don't want to be a snowflake in here. Um, uh, when has your resolve turned to water? Uh, it's interesting here that uh, we, we perhaps shouldn't be too harsh on Joshua uh, because he has his meltdown when he, he doesn't actually really know what's going on at this point. He's unaware of the real reason for the failure. Uh, and so it's here that God redirects Joshua and tells him what is truly going on. The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. And the, the profound thing here is that uh, sin has a solution. Uh, God says to Joshua, stand up, there's sin, go and deal with the problem. Uh, sin is a big problem, yes. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, yes. But the story throughout the Bible is that God provides a solution to our sin sickness. Why is there so much talk about sin in the Bible? It's because identifying and dealing with the problem of humanity allows us to then live in the fullness of life. Reveal a problem to fix a problem. Uh, in this particular circumstance, what does sin look like? Well, God says, they have violated my covenant which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things they have stolen, they've lied, they've put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they've been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. That's a pretty significant phrase there. And friends, we, we have to listen carefully. We are now living in a different time where God has promised to always be with us. While we are in faith in Christ, he will never leave us or forsake us. But we do have to listen very carefully here. There is a link between devotion and destination. There's a link between devotion and destination. 
when a husband is devoted to his wife, he tends to look at her, be directed at her. He tends to show affection and love, to speak to her. His, his heart is set in a direction towards his wife. And the destination is a wife and hopefully a happy marriage. When the owner of a pet is devoted to their animal, what do they do? They set their direction towards the animal, they feed it, they show care, they play games with it, and hopefully the outcome is a, a healthy and happy, well-cared-for animal. When God is the object of our devotion, that's where we end up. When you're devoted to God, you don't ignore Him, you open yourself up towards Him to spend more time with Him. And the amazing promise of God is that He welcomes our devotion and then our eternal destination is with Him. So our devotion towards Him, we're promised that our destination is to be in Him forevermore, enjoying His presence. Uh, in that sense, I can say your devotion defines your destination. Your devotion equals your destination. Uh, we actually have a phrase for the opposite. When we are not devoted to someone, we turn our back on them. Our direction is away and the destination is apart from them, is separate from them. So here's the problem for Achan. And here's how Achan causes a whole problem for Israel. Uh, before they conquered Jericho, God had declared that everything captured in Jericho was to be devoted to him. So all the objects, all the people, everything living, everything in Jericho was to be devoted to him. The direction and destination of everything in Jericho was to be to God. It's a very specific command. Nothing was to be devoted to individuals. There was to be no spoils of war, no taking of treasure for individuals. Nothing was to be kept for personal usage. Uh, in this battle, there was no keeping of loot. Now, we might understand some of that uh, quite fine. There is a part of this that we don't understand well. We don't live under this covenant anymore. It's not a command that we are now given. There's a particular devoted to destruction. So as it is devoted to the Lord, is devoted to destruction. Uh, I'm very thankful that's not part of the practicalities of living out our faith right now uh, because it involved killing everything living everything that had life, breath in it, the breath, the life was to be given back to God, which meant it was to be killed. Uh, and then the treasure, the, the gold, silver, anything valuable was to be put into the Lord's treasury. So there's a double meaning of the devotion here. Everything inside Jericho has been devoted to destruction. The destination of those objects, of those people, of those things are to the Lord and for destruction before him. And it would seem that Achan did not obey this at all. Uh, we get his confession from verse 20. Achan says, it is true, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done 
when I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them. He coveted, he wanted, he desperately wanted to keep them. He coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So when Achan uh, took those things for himself, he created a problem for himself. Uh, His own devotion was directed to shiny metal. He had turned his back on God and uh, devoted himself to stuff. This is called idolatry. It's the worshiping of anything other than God. Uh, It is taking God out of the center of your devotion and putting something else in the center of your attention and your life's trajectory. So that's the problem for Silly Achan. But he creates a problem for all Israel because those things had been specifically devoted to destruction as well. What happens when you hold on to something that has been devoted to destruction? What happens when a bus is going off a cliff and you want to grab hold of the bus? What happens to you? What happens, what happens when a heavy glass jug and it's late at night, and you just want to go to bed, and you've had a really long day, and you have to put this heavy glass jug up on a shelf before you can pack up and go home. And what happens when that heavy glass jug slips in your hand a little bit, and the glass jug very quickly seems to be devoted to destruction onto the metal cabinet below it? And what happens when your hand thinks, oh, I can catch this and save it from destruction. (laughs) Let's not waste this glass jug. What a silly thing at the end of the night to have to clean up broken glass and your hand tries to catch it and follows it on the way down to destruction on on the metal cabinet. Well, I can tell you what happens. <laughs> you, you end up with a trip to the hospital and a uh, scar on your finger um, for following it to destruction. Now, the consequences weren't just for me. The consequences, well, Aaron was at home with kids who were asleep, and so I had to call my dad to take me to the hospital, and we're there till the wee hours of the morning. The consequences of the path to destruction go out from beyond just the individual. And the problem here is that Achan has wrapped himself around these objects that are on a path to destruction, and then all of Israel is wrapped around Achan. So they are all wrapped around these objects on a path to destruction. So the point is, don't follow things on a path to destruction. Don't hold on to things that are on a path to death. Hold on to life. Hold fast to life. Everything else, hold loosely or let it go. Hold fast to life. Hold fast to your destination in God. Everything else, pull those fingers back. The fingers of our hearts. Don't let your heart get wrapped around anything other than the Lord God who is life. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. We are nothing but stewards of the stuff that we have. 
We, we only ever temporarily manage the things that we have in our possession that we receive from the Lord. Of course, it can be really hard and painful not to maximize all of our profits. Uh, it can be really hard to make a loss, to sacrifice and be generous and care for people with, with our time, with our money, with our other possessions. It hurts. Imagine the accountants in Israel, right? I'm sure there are accountants in Israel. And, and there's all this like gold and livestock and they're told to destroy it all. What would the accountants say? Oh, that's not a good idea. <laughs> that's not, that's not maximum. Like, where are we gonna put that on the chart again? Like, cross off a few things? That's not a good idea. That's not financial management. God's teaching them up front to hold on to things very lightly, to not grip to not say, this is, I'm gonna take this and this is mine. We have to learn to let go. Uh, it's perhaps one of the hardest things for Western Christians uh, to comprehend, this whole idea that uh, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And yet, what are we meant to say with Job? Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. We, we, we like the give when the Lord gives. It's a little hard to say, blessed be your name when the Lord takes away. When there's grief, when there's real sadness, when there's loss, when, when it, it, it pinches the bottom line, it's hard to say, the Lord takes away and yet blessed be the name of the Lord. It can be very easy for us to quickly jump over to chapter eight and go, yes, they, they got there in the end, they took I but it's hard for us to sit with chapter seven. The bad news is that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, none of us have had pure devotion and we've all held on to things that end in death. Uh, the wages of sin is death, but the good news is that Jesus took our place on the road to destruction. So we were on this path, we were destined for destruction. We were devoted to destruction and Jesus took our place and he took that destruction for us so that we are set free for life. So we can live in that, we must live in that. We must live in life and not go on continuing in a path to death. Jesus sets us free. We can repent, we can confess like Achan. It's a beautiful confession that he makes, yet he's still liable for the consequences. He still dies. You don't. You can make that confession you can free your heart to live in truth before the Lord and Jesus takes the consequences for you so that you can live for eternal life. Uh, we're gonna sing now.
And uh, I thought before we do that, maybe we'll take some time just to spend time in confession to make sure that we really are uh, releasing our hearts, letting go, peeling the fingers back of our hearts off things that are on a road to destruction, that are not going to last, things that uh, we need to let go of. And uh, to confess before the Lord that uh, we need His help, we need His forgiveness, we need His grace, and uh, we need to have His breath breathed into our lungs. Uh, so I might, I might uh, pray now and then uh, give you a moment of quiet.